When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Hello and welcome to Pop Crime, where we discuss everything from the gossip to the gavel, the latest scandals, trending legal dramas, as well as the infamous crimes and dirty deeds of the pop culture past. I'm Kiki Monique. If you follow me online, you probably know me as the talk of shame, your go-to source for the biggest pop culture stories and famous trials. I love to consume all the news, books, TVs, movies, and other media and break down the stories so you don't have to. Every week, I'll unpack a new story in the pop culture true crime world, either something that's happening in real time or reach back into the past. And I'll even have some of your favorite creators, attorneys, journalists, and other pop culture accounts and more on the show to weigh in. This episode is dedicated to Britney Spears. For the first time since being released from her nearly 14-year conservatorship, we get to hear the full story from the Princess of Pop herself. Her much-anticipated memoir, The Woman in Me, is finally here and reveals some shocking stories about her family history, her past romantic relationships, and the reason she went along with that conservatorship in the first place. Later in the episode, I'll be joined by Danny Murphy of Page Six, host of Virtual Reality and Not Another True Crime podcast, and we'll be sharing our thoughts, hot takes, and the most surprising takeaways from the book. Our main source today is Britney Spears' memoir, The Woman in Me. The rest you can find in our show notes. If you were hoping to hear the audiobook in Britney's words, you will only get to hear her narrate the introduction, which includes the dedication, author's note, and prologue. Britney dedicated her memoir to her boys who are, quote, the love of her life. She explains that this book has been a labor of love and reliving the stories through this book has been exciting, heart-wrenching, and emotional. And for those reasons, she will only be reading a small part of her audiobook. The rest is read by the actress, Michelle Williams. But here's a pro tip. If you put the playback speed on 1.2 or 1.3, it kind of sounds like Britney. At least it did to me. So the book is 50 chapters and just under 300 pages. So for voracious readers, this is a quick read. The audiobook at normal speed is about five and a half hours. At times, the timeline in the book jumps around, but not enough to lose track of where you are. And it's really broken down into essentially five parts. Britney's family history and understanding her background, Britney's rise to fame, Britney's life as a celeb, Britney's life during conservatorship, and Britney's life during and after the Free Britney movement. Now for clarity, since several names in Britney's family are similar, Britney's father is referred to as just Jamie. Britney's sister is referred to as Jamie Lynn. 
And Brittany's mother is referred to as Lynn. So where did Brittany come from? Well, Brittany starts her memoir by telling us that tragedy runs in her family and that the Spears men tended to be bad news, especially when it came to how they treated women. She explains that her grandfather on her dad's side, June, was abusive, and he sent Jamie's mother to an asylum after she lost her baby at just three days old. And when Jamie was only 13, his mother shot herself on her infant son's grave. June was extremely hard on Jamie growing up. June went on to have 10 kids with three different wives and even sent his second wife to an asylum as well. One of the half-sisters of Brittany's father said June sexually abused her from the age of 11 until she ran away at 16. Brittany says that for the first 50 years of her grandfather June's life, nobody had a single good word to say about him. Brittany's mother, Lynn, came from a family that was the exact opposite of Jamie's. Brittany's grandmother, on her mother's side, was from an elegant, sophisticated family in London. And Brittany says when she talks in a British accent, it's because she's copying her grandmother's voice, which makes her happy because it makes her think of her grandma. She said her mom's side came from money. Lynn was 21 and Jamie was 23 when they got married. Lynn was no longer supported by her family after the wedding. In 1977, Brittany's brother Brian was born. After he was born, Lynn went back to school to become a teacher. Jamie was a welder at an oil refinery, and he started to drink heavily. Brittany says her dad was an alcoholic and that her mom and dad fought constantly. Lynn filed for divorce for the first time in 1980, but Jamie's dad and his new wife begged Lynn to take Jamie back, and she did. Jamie cleaned up his act and started a total fitness gym business that made good money, and her mom opened a daycare center. Brittany was born December 2nd, 1981. Brittany's brother had a really bad four-wheeling accident as a kid that left him in a full-body cast. This accident brought Brittany much closer with her brother because she saw the pain he was in. She would not leave his side as he healed and slept in his bed every night, and even after he healed, she kept sleeping in the same bed with him until the sixth grade. Brittany's father started drinking again, and his business suffered. They were broke. Brittany never knew the mean grandfather that drank and abused her father, Jamie. She knew a sweet grandpa. So growing up, Brittany says she didn't understand her father's mood swings or that he was trying to cover up his trauma with alcohol. Jamie was cruel to her brother, Brian, and sometimes to her mother, Lynn, but he was more the type of drinker that would leave and disappear for days at a time. Brittany says she resented her mother due to her dad's alcoholism and that she was always scared in her home. She says she sang constantly because it was spiritual to her and she used music as a way to escape. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. 
No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month. You can choose whatever you want to rent for whatever you have going on. It's totally up to you. There are no fees, late fees, damage fees, or fees to pause or cancel. So no big deal if you lose a button or spill something or just need to take a break. They have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. Get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning in Newly's state-of-the-art laundering facility. And you always have the option to buy what you love, for sometimes up to 75% off. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now, you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code POPCRIME20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y dot com, that's newly with two U's, and enter the code POPCRIME20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com, newly with two U's with code POPCRIME20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. So how did Britney come to be? Well, let's remember this time frame is the 80s and 90s. And I say that because it's clear that child labor laws seemed to be a little bit different back then. Britney went to a Disney open call when she was eight, even though they only wanted kids 10 or over. She lied and said she was nine. The finals were narrowed down to Carrie Russell, Christina Aguilera, and her. She and Christina didn't make the cut, but they were told they were talented and they should connect with agent Nancy Carson in New York. Brittany didn't go to New York right away. She went back to Louisiana, where she was waiting tables at her grandmother's restaurant. Yes, a nine-year-old server. Again, this is another time. She eventually meets with the New York agent and is signed. Her sister Jamie Lynn is born shortly after that. Brittany was a contestant on Star Search, but lost, but then got a job on Broadway as an understudy. And Natalie Portman was also an understudy in that same Broadway show. But eventually the schedule and stress of the New York theater was too much. Brittany says some nights she would be at the theater until midnight and they wanted her to work through the holidays. It's really like child labor laws were non-existent. Brittany decided to quit and go back home. And side note, it's kind of wild to see that Britney had more autonomy over her person and career at age 10 than she did at 26. But I digress. Britney auditioned again for the Mickey Mouse Club, and this time she became a Mouseketeer. And this is where she met Justin Timberlake. And here's a fun memoir fact. During a Mouseketeer sleepover, they were playing Truth or Dare and Dare Justin to kiss Britney. A Janet Jackson song was playing when he kissed her. Foreshadowing. Britney loved Mickey Mouse Club, but the show ended a year and a half later, and Britney went back to Louisiana. 
Brittany says when she was 13, she and her mom drank together, daiquiris and white rushes when going to the beach. She also started smoking cigarettes with her friends. And she was driving her mom's car, with her mom in the car, and Jamie Lynn in the car with a seatbelt, but no car seat. Brittany said one time, her mom smelled cigarettes on her while Brittany was driving, and her mom grabbed the wheel. Brittany ended up hitting a telephone pole. Her mom lost it, but she didn't bring up the cigarettes again. Brittany says she lost her virginity to her brother's best friend, who she started dating when she was in the ninth grade, and he was a senior. Her brother started hating his friend and would snitch to their parents when Brittany would sneak out to see him. As punishment, Brittany had to pick up trash in the neighborhood with a bucket. These were the last moments of Brittany's, quote, normal life. She missed performing, and her mom had been in touch with a lawyer from Brittany's audition circuit, Larry Rudolph. He gave Brittany a song from Tony Braxton's album that had ended up on the cutting room floor called Today that Brittany used to record a demo. And this is the demo that got her in the door at record labels. At this point, Justin Timberlake and J.C. Chazé were in a boy group called NSYNC, and Nikki Deloge from her Disney Club days was in a girl group. But Britney decided to pursue the solo artist path, and she got a recording deal with Jive Records at 15. On October 23, 1998, the single Hit Me Baby One More Time hit stores when Britney was 16, and the next month, the video came out, and Britney was getting recognized everywhere. On January 12, 1999, her album debuted and sold 10 million albums very quickly. Britney became the first woman to debut with a number one single and number one album at the same time. She went on tour with NSYNC, her and Justin Timberlake started dating, and she fell in love with him. Britney's now a star. She's at award shows meeting her idols, Madonna, Mariah Carey. She's dubbed the Princess of Pop. Oops, I Did It Again is released, and she's a household name. She buys her mom a house, settles her father's debt to give them a clean slate. She does the 2001 Super Bowl halftime show. She has the iconic snake moment at the 2001 MTV Awards, which she says was terrifying, and the snake was hissing in her face. She does her first movie, Crossroads, but she says she got so deeply immersed in the character, she was walking and talking different. If only she knew later Austin Butler would be nominated for an Oscar because of this. But she said she didn't like how she changed for the role. And that was the start and end of her acting career, which is too bad because she was actually considered for a role in The Notebook. It came down to her and Rachel McAdams. Britney was also asked to be in the movie Chicago, but she was still skeptical after her Crossroads experience, so she turned it down. But she says she regrets that one. Britney was the youngest person to host and perform in the same episode of Saturday Night Live. And at this point, Justin and Britney are living together in Orlando. Life seems perfect. But Britney says she knew Justin had cheated several times during the relationship, but she was infatuated and let it slide. But the tabloids would not let it rest. Justin was photographed in a car with one of the girls from All Saints and says there was a girl Justin slept with back then that she won't mention because she's popular and has a family now. But Britney says she cheated too. Just one time, she made out with her choreographer, Wade Robson. Britney says she got pregnant with Justin's baby and he wasn't happy. He said they were too young. Britney agreed to have an abortion 
but says she never would have done so if it was just her decision alone. They agreed not to go to a hospital or doctor. They did it at home and only told Felicia, her assistant. She took the pills and had excruciating cramps lying on the floor and thought she was going to die. She said it was one of the most agonizing things she's ever experienced. Justin lay on the floor strumming his guitar while she writhed around in pain on the bathroom floor and cried. Brittany says she was messed up for a while after that. Justin started working on his solo album and became standoffish with Brittany. She now thinks it's because he decided to use her as ammunition for his record. He ended their relationship by text message while she was on the set for a music video. She says she didn't see the breakup coming because she was so blinded by her love for him. After the breakup, Justin flew to Louisiana and had written her a long letter he had framed. Brittany still has it under her bed to this day. She had to finish out her tour after the breakup and wanted to rest when it was done, which she says seemed to worry her team. She had to do an interview with People magazine that seemed to be solely to show she wasn't on drugs or having a breakdown. By now, her mom had finally gone through with the divorce from Britney's father and was recovering from that. She says her mom was depressed and self-medicating. And she says her sister, Jamie Lynn, had become spoiled and a total bitch. Britney was on Prozac and reading religious books. Brittany was constantly being criticized for her body, her boobs, her skimpy clothing. And after the breakup and Justin's song, Cry Me a River, which people believed to be about Brittany cheating on him, she's now getting booed at clubs and at Lakers games. But Brittany admits she was actually happy when Justin started saying that he and Brittany had sex. Because even though it made her seem like a slut, a liar, and a hypocrite, she never understood why the label felt she had to be portrayed as this eternal virgin when she had been having sex since she was 14. Brittany heard that Justin slept with six or seven girls in the weeks after they broke up. So one day she saw Colin Farrell and thought he's hot and drove to the set of his action movie, SWAT. They had a two-week brawl, as she called it, saying they were all over each other and grappling so passionately it was like they were in a street fight. Brittany was dealing with bouts of social anxiety. She was living in New York and mostly stayed holed up in her place. She became close with Madonna during this time, who initiated her into Kabbalah. They decided to collab on a song, and they shared that infamous kiss at the VMAs. But then Brittany one night gets a knock on her door, and four men walk past. One was her father. They sit her on the sofa and start interrogating her. The next day, her team tells her she's going to have an interview with Diane Sawyer. An interview where she felt forced to speak and cry in front of the nation. She says she felt exploited and set up after that interview with Diane. It was a breaking point for her, and she felt something dark come over her. She started partying and rebelling. She went to Vegas with friends where she partied and ended up sleeping with a childhood friend. On the third night, they got, quote, shit-faced together, watched Mona Lisa smile in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and went to a little white chapel at 3.30 a.m. to get married. There was another couple, so they actually had to wait in line. Brittany clarifies that she was 
absolutely not in love with him, just drunk and very bored. Britney's whole family flew out to Vegas and they were pissed and insisted on an annulment. 55 hours later, they both signed all the paperwork and the marriage was annulled. Britney thought it was curious though how quickly her family got involved. She says she realized there was something about being under their control and her not having a stronger connection to someone else that had become very, very important to them. When Britney had the Vegas wedding, she had been completely supporting her family financially at that point. She went back on tour, but started to check out. This is when Kevin Federline, AKA K-Fed enters the picture. She says Kevin gave her permission to be exactly who she was. She later discovered he had a toddler and an ex-girlfriend who was eight months pregnant with his second baby, but she stayed with him. In the spring of 2004, Brittany had to go back on tour and she brought K-Fed. She was injured multiple times on this tour and started taking Vicodin. She didn't want to talk to or see anyone. She felt manipulated into going right back to work after the breakup of Justin, and she realizes now that she should have taken time off for herself. Flying home from the tour, she asked K-Fed to marry her. He said no, but then proposed to her. Brittany and K-Fed got married that fall. Brittany quit the Onyx tour. She got rid of her manager. She posted a letter to her fans on her website that she was going to take time off and that she was finally learning to say no. Brittany said she felt so much peace after announcing her intention to control her own life at last. She told herself that things are going to change, and they did. On September 14th, 2005, Brittany's first son, Sean Preston, was born, and then Brittany was pregnant again just three months later. Brittany was relentlessly hounded by the paparazzi, trying to catch photos of her constantly that made her seem like an unfit parent or that she was having a breakdown. At the same time, K-Fed is really feeling himself and decides he wants to launch his own music career. His demeanor starts changing, he flies to other cities, and when she shows up, he refuses to see her. He even has security keep her out. Brittany's still pregnant with his second child at this time. Brittany says Kevin now denies any of this happened. He says he would never do that to her. Brittany's second son, Jaden James, was born September 12th, 2006. And after the birth of her second son, Brittany says that she knew she became weird. She wouldn't let her mom hold Jaden for the first two months of his life. And even then, wouldn't let her hold him for more than five minutes. She realizes now she was displaying all the signs of perinatal depression, sadness, anxiety, and fatigue, and then the added confusion and obsession about the baby's safety with all the ramped up media attention. With Kevin away so much, nobody was around to see her spiral, except every single paparazzi in America. After Kevin Federline booked a Super Bowl commercial, Brittany never saw him. She was then led to believe if she filed for divorce first, it would be less embarrassing for her than if he filed. So when Jaden was only two months old, around November 2006, Brittany filed for divorce. Both she and K-Fed asked for full custody. K-Fed asked for Brittany to pay all his legal bills. Since she had set the divorce in motion, 
the media portrayed her as the one responsible for breaking up the family. This probably helped K-Fed's album sales, which had come out the week before the divorce announcement. Looking back, Britney thinks that both Justin and Kevin were very clever and knew what they were doing and played right into it. After Justin and Kevin, Britney says she never really trusted anyone again. Paris Hilton, though, was one of the people that was very kind to Britney when she really needed the kindness. Paris came over after the breakup and encouraged her to have fun again. And this is when Britney went through her party stage. But she says it wasn't as bad as the press made it out to be. She says she never had a drinking problem and only did Adderall, which she says was the only thing that worked for her as an antidepressant. She never had any interest in hard drugs. The night of that infamous Paris, Brittany, and Lindsay pick, all they did was get drunk. But that night, her and her mom got into a huge fight because she was wasted. Brittany felt shame and felt as if she was forbidden to party. That fight was a turning point in Brittany's relationship with her mom. It changed forever. K-Fed started to create this narrative in the tabloids that Brittany was an unfit parent, and he started keeping the kids from her. That night, she shaved her head at that barber shop. She says she was out of her mind with grief because K-Fed refused to let her see her sons. She says shaving her head was her way of saying fuck you to everyone. Her cousin Allie drove her to Kevin's a few days after she shaved her head, but someone tipped off the paparazzi, got them at the gas station, and followed them to Kevin's. The paps kept following them and badgering them. Brittany screamed, and the paps continued to try and get her to react. They kept asking her how she felt not being able to see her kids. Brittany grabbed an umbrella and hit the paparazzi's car. Brittany later sent an apology to the photography agency, explaining she had been in the running for a dark role in a film and she wasn't quite herself. After Brittany shaved her head, she went to her brother's in LA and her mother wouldn't even look at her. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are just as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They're milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Brittany was told that if she went to rehab, it would help her regain custody of her kids. Even though she felt she had more of a rage and grief problem than a substance abuse problem, she agreed to do it. When she arrived, her father was there and he said to her, you are a disgrace. After rehab, Brittany got temporary 50-50 custody. Her 2007 VMA's performance was a disaster. She had costume and hair issues. Her body wasn't what she wanted it to be after two kids. She was dizzy. She saw Justin backstage 
and he was at the top of his game while she was having a panic attack. While Brittany was having one of the worst nights of her life, her ex Justin had one of his best. Later in the evening, comedian Sarah Silverman roasted her, saying that at the age of 25, Brittany had done everything worthwhile she'd ever do, and that her two sons were the most adorable mistakes you'll ever see. The media made fun of her performance and appearance. Dr. Phil called it a train wreck. Brittany's management quit. Her bodyguard went to court in the custody case and testified that Brittany was doing drugs. In early January 2008, Brittany had the boys, and a security guard that used to work for Brittany, but now worked for KFED, came to pick the boys up. She freaked out, thinking she would never see her sons again, so she ran to the bathroom with Jaden and locked the door. SWAT broke into the bathroom, took Jaden, and tied Brittany to a gurney. A new custody hearing was held, and now she was told she would see her sons even less. Brittany says she became hell on wheels at this point. She started taking a lot of Adderall and was horrible. She started dating a paparazzo that nobody really trusted and who turned out to be married. One day, Brittany's mother convinced her to meet her. And when Brittany arrived, SWAT showed up and she was taken to the hospital again. Brittany's father that month had struck up a relationship with Louise Lou Taylor, who Brittany says that he worshipped. She was front and center during the implementation of the conservatorship that would later allow them to control and take over Britney's career. Lou had started a new company, TriStar Sports and Entertainment Group. Jamie was able to set up two forms of conservatorship, one of person where you control where the person lives, what they eat, what they do day to day, and one of estate where they manage the affairs and they want to prevent the person from being subject to undue influence and fraud. Brittany begged for anyone else to oversee it, but the court told her she was demented and she wasn't allowed to choose her own lawyer. Jamie was paying himself $6 million and others close to him tens of millions more. He paid himself more than he paid Brittany. Brittany's mom wrote a memoir during this time and was promoting it on every talk show. Brittany felt her mom was making money off of her misfortune. A conservatorship claims that a person is incapable of doing anything. But a few weeks after this conservatorship, Brittany was sent to shoot an episode of How I Met Your Mother and was put on a grueling world tour. Brittany's dad took over her study for his office and said to her, I just want you to know, I call the shots now. You sit right there in that chair and I'll tell you what goes on. I'm Brittany Spears now. When Brittany would go out rarely, her security team would have to sweep the party to make sure there were no drugs or alcohol. When she would date someone, they had to submit to background checks and sign NDAs and take a blood test. She was banned from seeing that paparazzi photographer ever again. And before any date, the man Brittany was going out with was told Brittany's entire medical and sexual history. All Brittany had was a court-appointed lawyer that she didn't choose. Everyone close to Brittany was kept away from her. Brittany still has friends she hasn't seen to this day. Brittany was given prepackaged meds to take. Parental controls were put on her phone. Brittany was on autopilot. She had lost her fight. It was Groundhog's Day every day. But she went along with it solely for one reason, she says. 
her kids. Because she played by the rules, she was reunited with her boys and felt whole for the first time in months. She appeased Kevin just to be able to see her boys. She paid his legal bills, child support, and more. During this time that she's supposed to be incapable, she appeared on Good Morning America, did a Christmas tree lighting in Los Angeles, shot a segment for Ellen, and toured through Europe and Australia. The circus tour grossed more than $130 million, and TriStar got 5%. Jamie Spears became a multimillionaire overseeing the conservatorship. Britney's parents reunited and got back together in 2010, eight years after their divorce. Jamie controlled every part of Britney's body. He would tell her she was fat, force her to get in shape, tell her to grow out her hair, tell her what to eat, wouldn't let her have dessert. He kept her on a strict diet of chicken and canned vegetables. She would ask the chef for a cheeseburger or ice cream. He would say he was on strict orders. Britney was given an allowance of $2,000 a week. All Britney could do was throw herself back into work to try and distract herself from this hell she was living in. She hated doing X Factor and hated being on the air all day, acting skeptical and judging people for eight hours a day. Britney started dating Jason Trawick during her conservatorship for three years. She got engaged to Jason in 2012, but he became a co-conservator and her feelings changed towards him. He broke up with her, wrote her a long letter and disappeared, but she didn't care. He resigned as co-conservator. After X Factor, her manager signed her up for a Las Vegas residency, which started after Christmas 2013, and it was great at first. It was a landmark deal that brought young people back to the Strip. Britney went to court in 2014 to try to get out of the conservatorship. She told the court of her father's alcoholism and erratic behavior and asked they drug test him, but nothing came of that. What followed was a cloak and dagger effort to get her own lawyer. She mentioned the conservatorship in a talk show in 2016, but it was cut out of the final version and didn't air. In October 2016, Brittany met Hassam, Sam Ashgari, on the set of her video for Slumber Party, and she was instantly smitten and knew she wanted him in her life. Then Brittany started sneaking over-the-counter supplements, and her dad sent her to treatment again, but outpatient this time. She and Sam became so close, they started talking about having kids, so she asked for a doctor's appointment to get her IUD removed, but it was never made. Brittany learned after the conservatorship had been lifted that Jamie and TriStar had been involved with a security company they hired, Black Box, in monitoring and reviewing calls and texts coming out of and going to her cell phone, including private texts with her boyfriend, her lawyer at the time, and her own kids, and that her father had even put a bug in her home. The third year in Vegas, Brittany couldn't take the conservatorship any longer. Her residency was set to end December 2017, and she was ecstatic. But her father expected her to continue working and announce her new show. In October 2018, at the new Park MGM Hotel with Mario Lopez hosting, he announced, we are here to welcome the new queen of Vegas. Brittany walked down the stairs to work, bitch, and kept right on walking past the cameras, got in an SUV, and left. Brittany says her father decided to disappear her after that. He claimed he found supplements in her purse and that she needed to go to a mental health facility. 
She was sent to a small luxury rehab in Beverly Hills for 60 grand a month. But they wouldn't tell her how long she'd be going for. They told her if she didn't go, then she'd have to go back to court. Brittany was kept locked up against her will for months. She couldn't go outside, couldn't see her kids, couldn't see her dog, couldn't go to her own home, couldn't drive. She had to give blood weekly. She couldn't take baths in private, couldn't shut the door to her own room. They watched her while she changed. She had to be in bed by 9 p.m. They supervised her television watching the hour before bed. She had to be up at 8 a.m. every day with endless meetings all day long. Her kids would come for an hour on the weekends, but if she didn't do what they wanted, they kept them from her. For years, she had been on Prozac, but at this facility, they suddenly took her off it and put her on lithium. Her security team began treating her like a criminal. She says that hospital took away her fear. She isn't scared of anything anymore after that. She says her mom played dumb and her sister just told her to stop fighting it when she would call begging her to help. She didn't understand how her sister had become close with their dad. Then the Free Britney movement, it got so big it made it to television and nurses at the facility Britney was in started asking Britney about it. She says the Free Britney movement saved her. Quote, I don't think people knew how much the Free Britney movement meant to me, especially in the beginning. I was not okay, not at all. And the fact that my friends and my fans sensed what was happening and did all that for me, that's a debt I can never repay. If you stood up for me when I couldn't stand up for myself, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. She was finally released from the hospital a few months later. Her family acted like nothing had happened. And Jamie Lynn, she says, was trying to wheel and deal new opportunities she thought they could do together. Then in August, K-Fed called the cops on her father, Jamie, after he kicked down the door and shook Sean. Brittany decided this needs to end now, and she needs to find the will to finally get out of this conservatorship once and for all. She spent more time on social media to try to make herself more human to people. She says she knows the posts she were making were weird, but she didn't care. The court-appointed lawyer she had for 13 years wasn't helping her, and she decided to take control. On June 22nd, 2021, she called 911 to report her father for conservatorship abuse. On June 23rd, 2021, Brittany was in her LA living room and addressing the probate court. She knew the world was listening. She had asked the hearing to be open to the public. Brittany reached out to her social media team and her agent to help get her a new lawyer. That's how she found Matthew Rosengart. In July, a few weeks after that public hearing, Rosengart filed to eliminate Jamie Spears from the role of conservator. And in September 2021, Jamie Spears was suspended as Britney's conservator. Rosengart said they had the momentum and he was going to request to have the conservatorship terminated altogether. And in November, Britney got the news. She was no longer under a conservatorship. After her conservatorship was terminated, Britney collaborated on a song with Elton John. It was her first number one song in 10 years that was on her own terms. Britney says pushing forward on her music career isn't her main priority right now. She wants to get her spiritual life in order, to pay attention to the little things, to slow down, to not be the person that other people want, but to find herself. 
Her passion to entertain has lessened as she's gotten older. Even though we know that Brittany and Sam Ashgari are getting a divorce in real time, in the book, she still spoke about him in the present tense and refers to him as her husband, Hassam. She says they always pray together and looks up to him as an inspiration. Brittany says she felt betrayed by her father and the rest of her family. She says Jamie Lynn will always be her sister and she loves her. She's working to feel more compassion than anger towards her. Brittany's anger has been manifesting in her body as terrible migraines, but she doesn't like to go to the doctor anymore after what she's been through. Migraines are just one of the physical and emotional damages she's gotten from her conservatorship. She says people don't understand why she posts naked and sexy pictures on social media, but she says she gets joy from it because she finally has control over her own body. She talked about her special love for her gay community of friends, and she revealed that she found out she was pregnant with Sam's baby while writing this book, but that she miscarried before the end of the first trimester. She concludes her book by listing off the many ways she is able to finally express her freedom. When we return, I'll be joined by the very talented and entertaining Danny Murphy of Page Six to break down the things that stood out most from the Britney Spears book. Danny, welcome to Pop Crime. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Danny, have you ever read a book so fast? I mean, <laughs> I, you should, you could have just asked the question, have you ever read a book? Because in my life, I was always the person where I was, Spark Notes was my best friend. I was able to just, you know, get some vibes. I feel like I need to go back and apologize and also let every English teacher I know know I can read. It just needs to be about Britney Spears. Exactly. If it's about yes. Britney, I will read it immediately. You know, it's like I had my alert set and I was like, okay, okay, is it going to come out at midnight Eastern? Is it going to come out midnight Pacific? And then I actually ended up passing out and waking up at 1 a.m. So it didn't really matter. (laughs) But it was there. It will arrive to you. I know. And also, I don't know if you're having the remorse too. I have the, because I did the hard copy. I'm, I think I want to also now listen to Michelle Williams do it. Even though I don't know if I can like, it, it feels like, her like Dawson's Creek girl talking about an Oscar winner, of course, also talking like all of this. I don't know if my brain could connect it, but I kind of want to have that experience. No, it's so funny. I actually was saying I did the audiobook and now I'm oh. regretting because I want the hard copy. So maybe we just do a swap because we'll swap. like I do feel like you need the feeling of both of them. Like I want to touch the, the words. I want to touch the book. But yeah, you know, Michelle Williams was actually, you know, I didn't know how to feel about it. I will say a phenomenal choice. It was really good. After like, you know, a few chapters, I actually thought I was listening to Britney. Now, again, I put the playback speed up to 1.3, so it changed it a little bit and it just felt a little more Britney. But... And like random British accents coming in and out, which now we know there's a reason for that. So I actually loved it. Yes. Well, I think that's the thing. I mean, you know, there were so many surprising takeaways, I mean, for myself, and I obviously want to hear your takeaways, but that was one. You know, I think people are like, you know, why does Britney use that accent? Or why is she always posting these, you know, you know, pictures of herself online? And now we understand it's like, you know, these are things that make her happy. You know, these are things, you know, she finally has control of her own body and she's so proud of it. I mean, were there what moments sort of stuck out to you immediately in, in reading? I feel you're really hitting the nail on the head so much because I, where it sort of just really is humanizing her in a way, 
her entire career, it never has been because she's always just kind of been like the product we consume, even though we're reading this book and consuming it now. And of course, also, we're consuming it through her lens. But I was just like, oh, wow, she like talking about her growing up. I like you forget sometimes like celebrities and especially to her stature, like had upbringings and everything like that, where you're like, oh, you have family shit too and trauma. And that's why you sometimes post like people that I know posting on Facebook that I'm like, oh, what's going on here? It's like, oh, well, I know what's going on with them. And now I know what's going on with you. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Did you find yourself, I mean, at least I did, you know, there was really only specific people she named in the book, but Mm -hmm. some people she left out. But because we know her story, you're like, oh, you know, when she's talking about this paparazzo, you're like, well, that has to be Sam Lufty, right? You know? Yes. And like, but then like there were other people, like she talks about going to a party at Donatella Versace's house and meeting this bad boy and then, you know, going home with them, but then kicking him out on the side of the road. Like I'm trying to figure out who was that? Is that someone famous? Ooh, I hope so. I know because I'm like, because all the, uh, when she's talking about that, because like, she has so many stories we're not even getting to right now where I'm like, and I would wonder too, is there going to be, I feel like there has to be somehow a part two of this book or is there going to be every person who was named in it <laughs> like trilogy <laughs> that's what i'm thinking i'm like do some of these people start coming forward you know obviously she talks about you know when she dated justin he cheats on her she doesn't name the women because you know britney is classy like that but mm-hmm. you know you kind of wonder you know like you know is justin going to try to speak his piece or some of these women who've been you know accused of being the other woman are they ever going to come forward on her behalf, you know, even just like finding out she had, you know, this friendship, she threw a New Year's Eve party with Natalie Portman. But I would have never known that her and Natalie were that close at some point. I would love to hear some of these people in her life we didn't know about. I know, well, A, that kind of made me, because I always knew, I was like, oh, Natalie Portman I think is cool. Now I'm like, oh wait, she was like Britney Spears hanging out cool, that's a very different level. Um, For Justin Timberlake, I never need to hear him talk again. I don't really need him to say it. I've just, I haven't had to hear, I just, he never really did anything for me, so don't need his like notes app apology approved by his girl Jessica. Um, so but Natalie, I'm kind of curious too, and it was interesting that she was in the book because she also is going through her own divorce mm-hmm. public eye thing. So I was like, oh, even from like publicity standpoint, it could be good for her to be like, okay, I'm not talking about anything, but my love of Britney Spears. <laughs> I agree. Like, I would love if they reconnected, like you said, because Natalie's going through her own. I mean, obviously, there were rumors about there being infidelity. So I don't know. (laughs) I would love to see Britney sort of have this new circle of friends. It was also really nice to hear. She really praised Paris Hilton, I thought, a lot in this book. It was so nice to hear that they actually have this really sweet friendship, right? I know. I feel everyone's kind of laughing at the people from the book because you can tell there's now like the two tiers of the people in the book, the people who are out and the people who are in and the interior is literally parasol in and mariah carey which i mean i'm so happy to hear because but two people that for a lot a lot of times and some more warranted than others people are like oh they're like crazy diva not nice people but britney's singing praises now speaking of people who are out do you think that every time britney's trending diane sawyer just goes into hiding because <laughs> you know that interview i mean I was alive during that interview. I don't know. I was. I watched that interview. Like, and of course, we were all like, "Oh, just she's, she's asking the hard hitting questions." Now, you know, Gen Z has like, "Wake up, people! You guys were terrible, terrible, terrible people." And so, do you think Diane Sora just freaks out every time her name gets brought up now? I 
feel she, uh, and maybe maybe in 15 years I'll regret saying this, but Diane Sawyer, I think she just loves her name being said. So <laughs> I, I think she is going to upload it. She probably has a fake YouTube account without her name on it that has the entire clip that she's raking in the ad views. And she's like, no, guys, I'm so sorry. Stop watching it. Promote it. So I think she probably has made almost, in a sense where I feel like Camilla, like, King Charles' Camilla has made peace. You know, people aren't going to like me, but I have my crown. That's Diane Sawyer's energy, I think, with it. I think she maybe doesn't regret how she talked about it, but she's just like, damn, this is the one that keeps on being talked about with me. I know. Were you surprised that Britney did not go back and edit out Sam, who she calls his Sam, you know, which I think she, I love that she only calls him his Sam, like she's like my husband, his Sam, that she didn't edit him out and, you know, say that we're getting a divorce. It, made it feel like she had a lot of respect for him and just like we did have this bond and even though we may not be together I'm not going to write you out of my history like that and I love exactly what you said it's like because that is when she was writing it he was from what we assume from the outside world too our support for her Mm -hmm. and they had what we think some maybe good years through all of that so I like that and I feel also like going back to switch it all around and it would just kind of like mess up the story because I feel there was like a good flow for it. Um, I feel after his interview magazine spread, she maybe was like, oh, I would have added an extra chapter or two in there. (laughs) But I don't think that's Britney's nature. Like, she isn't really bashing, even when she's talking about people who wronged her or in a negative light, she's not really going as far as I was kind of expecting her to go also. Agreed, agreed. Now, Danny, do you think that Britney Spears will truly ever be able to experience real freedom? Oh, you know, you know, I, I hope I, I feel like it almost is kind of like a, like the beginning chapter or like the first page, how it started with her being like, I was walking on the rocks in the grass and like, I laid down and I felt God. Maybe I think she'll experience it kind of like that, but from her gated backyard, because she can't have any moment. I always say I need her to like, and I know she loves connecting with her audience on her phone. I want her to just like Fran Lebowitz it, have no phone, no email address, not be in New York, but just be like in Maine or down South, some, somewhere where she's happy and just kind of like exhales. Because I know people are also fearful that she's no longer, she said she's not really like craving a return to music. I'm like, she has done more than 80%, 85% of the stars out there could do. Let her just rest. <laughs> Let her just rest. I do. I agree. I I hope she gets her freedom. Well, thank you, Danny. Oh, thank you so much. And congrats on the podcast, too. I cannot wait to listen every week. Where can people find you, Danny? Where can they listen to you? <laughs> you could find me, hopefully, painting with Britney Spears. But until then, you can listen to my Betches podcast, Not Another True Crime podcast, every Monday. And my Page 6-1 virtual reality on Thursdays. And you can find me online at Cashmere Danny Cashmere with a K. Love it. Pop Crime is produced by Sean Kilby, Shannon Sassone, and me, Kiki Monique. Editing by Shannon Sassone. Guest booking by Ali Freelander. And be sure to follow me at The Talk of Shame on TikTok and Instagram. And send your emails to podcast at betches.com. Betches.